Hey y'all, I am Marcy. And I'm Akko. And welcome to the Colored Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. What? Colorful backgrounds, magical ri- writers, readers, magic, what? Here we are. Whatever the fuck we do. Yeah, I don't know, girl, we here again. So It's true. <laughs> so y- y'all, know, y'all know what's up at this point, hopefully. <laughs> and if not, hi. Um, so. Right. Um, this is what we do. This is how we live. But today, exactly. today, today, we will be finishing our silk punk fantasy novel, Grace of Kings by mm-hmm. ken Liu, but marcy before yeah, yes. we get to that <laughs> i have a question oh uh, yes what is your question i feel like the reader the listeners are like yeah don't you always you're right i always it's, do it's okay. like it's like it's like a like a every episode kind of moment <laughs> situation but um we'll just act like it's new every time it's true um okay so the story, the story that we're reading today, the Silk Punk mm-hmm. fantasy novel, there's a lot of personal relationships, but it's also, yes. there's also a lot of ideals, you know, um, and and sort of philosophies as to why people are doing things. So first mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, this is a two-parter, I know, we're getting, we're getting... Oh shit, okay. You know, wildier. <laughs> what kind of SAT? Like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> Fuck. You know when they were like, is the answer A, B, A, and B, A, B, and C, or none of the above? <laughs> B and C, D and F. I'm like, bitch, there's an F and they're like, there is today. And I'm like, oh my God, it would be like 20 choices. I'm like, girl, I'm stressed. And then they're like, don't get it wrong because you will lose points. And I'm like, who the fuck made this test, bro? Like, who? (laughs) Like, this is just, this is actual sadism. But anyway. And you're like, oh, I'm trying to fill in these bubbles, but now my colors are in too darkly and I can't erase it. Oh my God. Okay, so. Oh my, right. And then (laughs) I would always be like, bro, like I, are they going to, like say like are they gonna like look at my current answer or the one that i erased like did right. i erase it enough like is because sometimes like your erasers were shitty oh like, my uh, god espe- oh my god especially if you like because some oh my god there was like, there were these like dark or it was like a burnt orange pencil i forget those the name of the company. erasers did, were awful garbage mm. garbage and usually most erasers it was like okay once you use them you kind of have to like break them in yep. you know like a new pair of shoes but like them like they would they just Never. eternally were terrible oh, i'm yeah. pretty sure one of them like ripped my paper once when i was erasing it was i just whoever whoever y'all are y'all know who you are you know you, who know, you are you know who you are i feel but. like they were like ha, ha ha the children will never be able to <laughs> and, like they're just like twirling their like fucking whiskers and, oh like, my I, don't know, God. They, I just imagine they had really long they were, like they were like all half cats or something i don't know just like anthropomorphic anyway i'm dead i feel like ticonderoga so... were the best pencil racers like those yes like, yeah, everybody knows okay it. Thank you for remember- yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They- oh my god. Those erases just smooth like butter. Like I feel like butter. the pencils were longer. Oh my god. Yeah. That shit just. It was just so bright. I was like, bitch, I'm ready to learn. And then they're like, can you not cuss <laughs> in elementary school? You're like your third grade talking about bitch. I'm ready to learn. Like, girl, <laughs> who? What? <laughs> Please do not. I'm so oh my god. dead. <laughs> like, oh it's my just god. little Marcy Pe- with a piece of paper. <laughs> like, it's like, oh bitch, I'm ready to learn. And it's like, <laughs> why? Uh, <laughs> it's like, if- wow. Oh. My it was, the, the clues were all there. They were all there. But um, so, but yes, what, <laughs> what is your uh, question? The question isn't even funny. It's a serious one. But so the That's first fine. thing I wanted to ask was, when you think of the world word ideals, what do you think mm-hmm. of first? Okay. Like, what do I think of as far as my own ideals or just the, the word ideals by itself? Yeah, like it's definition and then maybe your own ideals. And also hmm. don't look at the shared document we have because... I won't. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I would say, okay, so Sharon, I, so as far as ideals, I would kind of just define it as like, sort of like the, like a silent or maybe not, depending on you, who you are and how you express yourself, like set of like frameworks or rules that govern how you live your life, like kind of the sort of set of instructions that kind of like, like in the same way that like, you know, you said, I don't know, like a computer program to follow certain codes and you know, shit, this, the, I don't know nothing about that. I don't know why I would use that example. Basically like the idea of like, you know, it's like each of us has like a kind of You were doing well that, too. Like you were right. Hey, yeah. And I just, I just gave up. I just threw it away and I'm like, damn bitch, you could have made a point anyway. So like, I feel like each of us has like a blueprint that kind of like precedes all of our actions in the ways that we show up in the world. Um, mm. And even if we're not always able to show up in the ways that we would like, like it still is there. And so I would say that that's essentially what our ideals are. It's a mix. It's a mixture of like moral, like a like a moral location, like a moral kind of idea of how we see ourselves, and also kind of an aspiration for how we want the world to look and how we would like things to operate. Even if for some of us, that's the status quo, but hopefully many of us, it's not. So it's like you know, it's like. A mixture of both aspiration and kind of like like a rule set in a way. Interesting. You actually, yeah. Marcy, got it like pretty well in the head. It's a standard of perfection, a principle to be aimed at. I didn't think of ideals that way. I kind of thought of them as to your the part of the what you said where it's like a philosophy to live by. I thought of it as something mm-hmm. that you do, not something you aim for. Um, mm. because when I looked at this definition, I was like, wow, this is kind of utopic. Like you, so ideals are, are, are the utopic choice as opposed to something that you, you set your life by. Uh, but I think that right. maybe that comes with like different ideas of utopia. Like some people think of utopia as, well, the definition of, a, of utopia is unobtainable. Um, mm. so then that made me think, okay, so if we're going for something utopic, that's innately unobtainable, then our ideals worth dying for, um, which is the second part of the question. Oh my <laughs> God. I, I so I, okay. So, so the utopic piece, that's interesting. Cause I always kind of saw, well, I guess when you think about it in the most like sort of generic way, yeah. Like a, a utopia is like, you know, something that is technically unattainable. However, I don't think that that's the same thing as like idealism like i don't think mm. people are you know navigating their lives with a set of but like like you know with like a framework that they they themselves feel like is not attainable. actually attainable because then at that point it's like why would you do it you know i think idealism and like just having a set of ideals kind of pushes us to be better like collectively because i feel like usually or at least for me i feel like the way idealism shows up is usually how i see myself as a function in like a group or like in a society rather than like an individual ideal like i t- I, I typically it's like a social projection more than anything. I feel like, and like, I still have ideals, I guess, for myself individually, but I feel like those are kind of different, if that makes mm. sense. But, but yeah, but I feel like, um, are ideals worth dying for? As a catch-all, yes, but also with the caveat of like, depending on what it is, though, like, what, it, right. like, and, and again, like, my judgment of that is like, I'm literally, I am one bitch of many on this planet, so like, I mean, <laughs> take it what you will, but like, I feel like for me, it's kind of like if your ideal is one that coincides with like an actual like, you know, with like a kind of like a like a like a collective. um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like like just like investing in people and bringing up like just like kind of like a collective sense of well-being and dignity and worth and love and respect and all these different things. Like Like if it coincides with that, I would always say that that's certainly worth dying for. If it's something that's like I must have all the power. It's like so. No, because that's not. 
frivolous. Like you, I mean, you, I mean, you, I mean, but like, should like, or should we really be lifting that up though? Like, mm. honestly, um, like it's like if we're not doing something that like benefits the collective good, then like, what are we like, what are we doing here? But um, yeah, I will say though, like, it is one of those things where, I mean, dying for an ideal isn't. I mean, dying prematurely. I mean, again, depending, it's not always the most ideal circumstance, obviously, <laughs> but. At the same time, it's like, I think it is also kind of beautiful to be able to be like, you know what? I believe in this shit so much. I will actually die behind this shit. Like, it's 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 actually nothing, girl. Like, I like if I die defending this belief system, like, that, that was a life well lived. Like, just, like, on period. Like, I feel like that's such a beautiful conviction to have. And, like, throughout my life, I think I've definitely had... It's swayed through time, but I think that, like, I've certainly had... Kind of, yeah, like, and uh, and still now, I would say that there are certainly ideals that I'm like. I mean, if it really came to blows behind the shit, I would do it. So, interesting. Yeah. What about you? That is so interesting that you say that. Um, that's a very nuanced answer. <laughs> you Thank know, you. when you like think of a question <laughs> and then you you're like, "This is gonna, this is gonna be a showstopper," and then Marcy just like, <laughs> who didn't have time to think about it, gets a better answer than. <laughs> I think that I think that yeah I I, I was thinking a lot about ideals when I was reading this book just because so many people die for things and don't get to see the end of things and Mm. the culmination of what they were fighting for ends up being sort of frivolous in the end Mm, Um, and so and, and I think particularly about one of the brothers there's like these two brothers that you follow and you're like was dying for mata worth it like, I, I to be oh. away from your brother i know this is a spoiler but you'll you'll see <laughs> I mean, you didn't let's be honest none of y'all read this book <laughs> don't lie to me it's 600 pages um so long my God. someone's like someone in the audience is like i read it like, <laughs> so you're really just gonna like erase my experience right like, i mean i guess Oops, My bad. But like, bro, like, honestly, this book was so long. I felt like there were new pages being generated. While I, was <laughs> I was like, not you getting bigger. Like, I swear this book was not this big on Monday. Like, how is right. it Wednesday and we're thicker? Like, get the fuck. Anyway, so. Right. So, so I guess what I feel like, I, um, I feel like ideals can be intoxicating. I feel like, um, mm patriotism and nationalism and 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 racism and, and homophobia these are ideals too um and they Oof, true they consume the minds of people and people will choose them over the love of another person mm. or the the familial bonds or the you know what i mean the reciprocity of society right and i think i get so frustrated or irritated with this it almost feels, yeah, it feels like an intoxication or a curse. Like this thing that wraps mm. us around so much that we're fighting seven to ten wars over just the thought of something, uh, not even the tangible. Um, but then on the flip yeah. side, it's exactly to your point. Like what about ideals of love? What about ideals of freedom? What about ideals of a better life? Um, mm-hmm. Aren't those worth dying for? But then you ask yourself, these the ideals that are terrible to me that I find repulsive is that not someone else's mm-hmm. interpretation of a, of a, of a good life. <laughs> I mean, it right. ends with my oppression, but <laughs> right. So like someone thought it was a good idea. Fuck that. It's right. Like, it's like not to be like, fuck your ideals, but fuck your ideals. You know what I mean, like if it's like, if it right. ends in the mass oppression of people, it's like you, you look ashy, re- please restart. So like, then, start over. Like, right. Not. But then, so the question, so I guess my, my thinking when I was reading this is, it, I don't think people examine 
their their ideals enough for how powerful they are to mm. society in our lives, right? Like, I think not. Yeah, I think we we take the ideals that we're taught and then we perpetuate them. Like, um, yeah, like Mr. Smith from The Matrix, and we don't realize was he the one who took the pills? No, that was Neo. Mr. <laughs> Smith is the. <laughs> Is he the one that took the pills? There was only one pill. He, he didn't take both of them. He only took one. Okay. I thought he took both. I clearly did not watch the movie. Um, I'm just trying to piece meal it together from cultural references. I've seen. It's like every anyway. time someone asks me and Marcy about Harry Potter, I'm like, is that the one with the snake and the man? And, the, and everyone's like, you didn't. With the Jigglypuffs? And they're like, no. Hufflepuffs? And I'm like, ah, ah, ah. Yes, it says. There wasn't a weird Pokemon um, crossover. I'm like, Charmander? Everyone gets a right, Charmander? I'm like, right. They're like, th- wouldn't that be like a clash of like intellectual problems? Like I feel like that's not like that, right. that feels like you can't anyway. Yeah. So you have a whole international yeah. incident. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> but I, I Mr. <laughs> Mr. Smith is like a computer program that like uh, reiterates itself in the Matrix, and mm-hmm. it's meant to stop any dissenters, which Neo is. Um, but there's this mm-hmm. whole fan theory that maybe like that Mr. Smith is actually the one. Anyway, like, we're not getting into it. We've gone down the rabbit hole. Back to ideals. <laughs> I think that. Um, <laughs> If anyone was wondering if this was a blurred podcast, you know now. Um, right. But I think that ideals are very, very powerful. And I think this is kind of like what I was saying about the epistemology thing the other day. I don't mm-hmm. think we think enough about what we've, the the points of view or the paradigms we've been given. And right. I think that can become so dangerous because in a lot of ways ideals are more powerful than familial bonds than friendship Mm. that and and because i think familial bonds and friendship those are ideals um everything honestly conceptually is is an ideal philosophy of of, uh, an aim Mm. anyway interesting that's that's so interesting because i so funny enough actually when you were talking i realized that like when i was like oh yeah like you know, if, if my life came to blows about some ideals, like I would, cer- like depending on what it is, I would certainly die over it. Funny enough, I wasn't even thinking about like like a state sanctioned like confrontation, like war or something like that. I was thinking about more so in the context of like I don't know, civil disobedience or like protests or like just kind of like um like fighting back against a state rather than like a conflict mm. between states. Because um, I I I would I agree actually because you know reading this book is interesting because like. You know, there's this whole conflict between basically like Cooney versus Mata, and it's like people are literally dying behind mm-hmm. this. And I'm like, but what are they like? I feel like when it just becomes a matter of like, oh, conquest and taking over and all the shit, it's like, I mean, what are we like, like, what are we really doing? Like, what are we really doing here? Like, does any of this like matter? Is, is, a, is a future with Cooney really going to be that much better? Is a future with Mata really that different from what it would be like with Cooney anyway? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I feel like, I mean, granted, yes, the answer is yes. But like, as long as it's real, I, I feel like the the whole like, oh, violence is a means to an end. People dying is just a means to an end. It just feels kind of, it feels so empty. I'm like, right. but these leaders are so fickle and like self absorbed and like myopic in their own views like i'm like do y'all really think that they're like extending humanity to y'all girl like honestly like they see you as numbers on a field they see you as like tactical pieces to be manipulated and maneuvered like and that's who you are to them right right and so sometimes i'm like not sometimes often i Mm -hmm. living (laughs) living is a very very important thing y'all like i know that sounds crazy but just to live is an act when they told you not to is an act of rebellion in and of itself yeah and i think 
even I think about like global conflicts and people who are in rebellion against a force that is so much bigger than them. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like it almost feels like a philosopher's stone. Like we're consuming the lives of people to like feed this like um, intangible concept, you know, that gives it all this power. Like we, mm-hmm. we give up the lives of all these people for this philosophy over like the sacredness of a, of a person's life. You know what I mean? Like right. even in a rebellion, like even we think about Martin Luther King, although he was murdered by white America. Remember that everyone. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Just remember. <laughs> Never forget. Never forget. <laughs> yep. Um, but like he didn't want to die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so like, I don't, I, I hesitate to like, I, I, I guess I push back against this narrative narrative of martyrdom. Um, mm. for it be, not because I don't think their ideals worth everything that you have, mm-hmm. but that I think we underestimate the significance to have to living. There's a, a significance to making it through, and I think mm. sometimes by any means, not no, okay, oh, no. <laughs> there's a bad, I guess there's a balance, not, not any means. <laughs> Not not any means, but you know what I mean? Like there is a significance to life that I think we underestimate. And I think, I think someone listening to this is like, not me, because I've been in those stakes where all I wanted to do was live. And I think that's what it is. Like when you ask me, like, are ideals worth dying for? If you put me in a situation where my life is on the line, you're going to get a different response because we, that is true. You know what I mean? Like to, but it also means that people who, who have done that are brave. And that's what frustrates me so much about, unexamined ideals because you will take the Mm. the bravery and the goodness and the courage of someone and waste it on something on some fuddy-duddy nonsense (laughs) on some we want more money and like conquer more land nonsense um which is heart-wrenching to me you know no i i agree And, and 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 to preface you know i think I, I'll speak for myself. I think, for example, the idea of saying something like, oh, like, I would, like, die behind this shit. I, I think, I mean, obviously, no, like, motherfuckers ain't just rushing to die behind some shit. Zero but I people. think that when people are like, you know, oh, okay, I'm, like, this is something I care about that, like, I, like, if my life came down, to, mm-hmm. like, was on the line, like, I would still advocate for this or fight for this or whatever. I think it just kind of changes your energy with how you go about bringing about that reality, right? Like, whether that be, I don't know, like, civil disobedience or whatever whatever like just kind of like it changes your energy and like makes you take more risks in a way that and like be audacious enough to like to change really something. push through and yeah ways, yeah to like change things in a really like kind of like i i i don't want to say for i mean i guess forceful yeah like just like a really forceful and like just like forthright way despite whatever consequences might come your way you right know what I mean? and i feel like that's right. something that like and like but like you said though there is still a sacredness in living and being here and like you know it's like it's like ideally none of us will have to die behind ideals like like you know because also too it's like it's like a, it's like okay so people's lives are lost and then like they ain't coming back like the people who fought for this yeah like, they ain't, they're not coming they ain't back, coming back. Mm-hmm. so and it's then, just yeah like yeah i i think you're right too in the sense that well in a lot of senses uh but <laughs> all the senses okay anyway marcy is <laughs> r- right obviously but i also think that 
oppressive i guess to to add to what you're saying remember when there mm-hmm. was like that thing it's like just to jump off that point just to like <laughs> just like piggybacking <laughs> off of what you just said no <laughs> just to do like a backhand swing off of what that point just kind of like was. pirouette off that point i literally <laughs> someone literally said that once and i was like okay are we doing tondus are we doing plies i'm so confused like ronda jams i'm confused what are we doing um, did not know if we were in ballet but okay girl so electric electric slide off that point okay um <laughs> Just gonna one two step real quick, and I'm like, just gonna cha cha slide to the right off this point. It's like, okay, y'all are actually absurd. Um, um but I was gonna say <sighs> that um, oppression works be- by violence and the fear of death, right? Like that's right. how. It, it, and so, uh, um, opposition, like saying that I, you can't, uh, you can't scare me even with that, is to say that is to say that what the other person is doing is so far off the pale. I will mm-hmm. give up anything to make you not do that. And, and that's, mm. I mean, that's almost, that's also like something like uh, amazing. Like the, the fact that humans yeah. have the capacity to do that. I, I don't, I think I have a complex relationship with ideals because I think it's something that both transcends the human physical experience, but also mm-hmm. we are still humans with physical experience. You know what I mean? Like True. it is the thing that reminds me that we are both humans and something more than human, or at least that our minds, mm. those like synapses or the, that t- intangible thought is so powerful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, it just made me think. It's like a, cu- it's like a calling to like a, it's like heeding the call towards a world that like you've never even seen in, before yeah. or has ever existed before. Exactly. It's like so interesting. It's almost mystical. Exactly. That kind of energy. Yeah. Faith and hope are so, they're so beyond, you know, for creatures who can't see into the future to have that capacity mm-hmm. to hope and f- have faith for the future is so astounding. Um, yeah. But I, what upsets me is that we seem to never get <laughs> I guess we do. I guess there's a cycle of empire, but it just seems like mm-hmm. we never the the faith and the hope is so much more beautiful than the reality. <laughs> mm. um, and then it makes you wonder if if that ideal was worth it. I don't know. It's so hard. But then sometimes I wonder maybe it's because we're too lofty with our ideals. Like maybe our ideals outgrow us. So mm. to the sense that they become uh, something that doesn't make any sense. Like, like when (laughs) well, here's what I'm saying. Like when Zuni is just like trying to like save his hometown and like make things better, doesn't it work pretty well? It's only when he tries to expand that to be the whole nation or when Mata, Mata's ideals don't even make sense, but like, it's, (laughs) I don't know what Mata wants (laughs) truly, (laughs) but like it's, it's only when we try to make it everything, you know, when we lose that, like, that it's like we expand it so it's just a matter of ego and power mm. that it loses any like like you know sense <laughs> whatever right. i think people are like what are y'all even talking about <laughs> um <laughs> it's like i just looked up and we we're on mercury and hopefully they're here for it um i mean look i know i am we're trying to expand so. the mo- we're just trying to we're trying to have complex conversations yeah Okay, so <laughs> we're gonna take a break. Yeah, we're gonna take a break. <laughs> yes, we're yes, <laughs> we'll take a break. We're gonna have then, a recap and then talk about the rest of this long, long, long book. But we'll make it quick. We'll make it quick. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep it cute. See y'all in a bit.
And we're back. We're back. Oh, I thought you were going to say. Uh, I thought you were going to say woo word <laughs> oh, or something no. like that. Anyway, we missed. Oh, it. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> it's fine. The moment's passed. Anyway, um, so yes, so we are going to talk about the rest of Grace of Kings. Um, but again, to just kind of like orient everyone, we'll give a super duper quick recap. Basically, all of this happens in this country called Dara, which is basically comprised of like, I guess it's like. Which is would you say it's like a country with seven kingdoms or like a kingdom with seven countries? A country with seven kingdoms or a kingdom with seven countries. I think it they it was like a land with seven different kingdoms that became one kingdom with seven yes. different regions. Yes. Part, yeah. th- perfect. Yeah. So that's so that's Dara. Um, <laughs> and essentially, yeah, so like it was like seven different like kingdoms, but basically there was like one called the Shana Empire that kind of like took over. The emperor was this guy named Mabadiri. Violent as hell, got everybody together. Mm. Everyone's like, wow, this is awful. We must rebel. Enter Kuni Garu, who is, and his friend Ren, who at the very beginning of the book, they see this like murder attempt on the emperor. They're like low key living for it. That mm. kind of plants the seeds of rebellion later on in the story. Also, in another kingdom, there's a guy named Matazendu who's like eight foot tall and has like two pupils in each eye, mm. and is like comes from this like noble family. He's like powerful as fuck, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, Mata is like literally a god among men." True. Um, and then whoop, 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 whoop. oh, and his so uncle, Gar- his uncle's taking care of him. Ah, yes, yes, yes. His uncle Finn, who is important to the story. Thank you. <laughs> um, he kind of like mentors Mata and basically is like, oh, like we have to like, you know, make, you know, I guess restore a sense of like honor and dignity to like to our family name because like they were kind of decimated during the whole like Shana takeover. Um, yep, yep. Kunigaru becomes like a gangsta and like becomes like a bandit and shit and is like, oh my God. He like marries a woman named Gia who was like <laughs> way smarter than him and gets like no screen time. Facts. But whatever. Um, what else happened? He becomes a bandit for a while. And then Sean Sean goes into this whole rebellion thing with two people that were significant in the first half, but aren't because they are no longer alive. (laughs) Yes. So the rebellion's like kind of going to pieces. Everyone's, you know, doing their thing. Cooney eventually joins the rebellion, kind of. He kind of just becomes the duke of his hometown, Zudi. And then he... Basically, he, like, yeah. I don't even know if you would say he joined the rebellion. Like, he was like, I'm like tangentially in the rebellion. Yes, yes. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, very given that, very much given that. Like, I feel like someone was writing a story about a rebellion and like Cooney was a side character who somehow like showed up <laughs> as a main character. And you're like, how did this happen? <laughs> anyway, he becomes... It was like, no one else can fill this role. Like, I guess I, I, yeah, I, guess like, I can I guess play you're it. Back but, like, Mata Zindu rolls up after doing some funny daddy nonsense and him and Zudi become friends. <laughs> they t- <laughs> they take down Sha'an and they become like brothers and they're like, you know, we love each other. Okay, so then however, Marana, the strategist for Sha'an, who used to be an accountant, so like talk about like, you know, like a step up in like status, like you went from an accountant right. to like the head of the army. Like talk about a pivot. Like what? That's what like, I'm saying. Can, can we set up an information interview? Like how did you pull that off? But, right. Although I, I got to say uh, like accountants know stuff. So like don't, you know, don't slack on your accountant or anything. Anyway, so he, he, he convinces this woman named Kikiomi, the head of the city of Amu, to come between Mata and his uncle to weaken the rebellion in exchange for saving her kingdom. And she does mm-hmm. that. Again, very little screen time, but she does yeah. it. Gets the uncle killed. <laughs> Mata is feeling sufficiently betrayed. Um, mm. And he's in his feelings. Then Kuni's mother also passes away, which is very sad. And yeah. so he heads back to Zudi to see his family. Because Kuni's mom, like, she low-key was here for him, even though he was just being oh, yeah. silly. Yeah. 
Yeah, she was. She definitely, I mean, because, yeah, Kuni's dad is like, you are a fucking disappointment. Get the fuck out of my house. And Kuni's mom like, I mean, maybe we should listen to the child. Maybe we should. <laughs> He's a good kid. Consider his humanity. Um, he means well. You know. So, yeah. So, so it was sad. But, yes. So, where the book picks up. And, again, y'all, there's 300 pages. We're going to try to keep it brief, but mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Boom. So, yeah, so Kuni's mom dies. He goes to Zudi to, you know, mourn her. And while he's there, Luan Zia, who is the guy who basically tried to um, murder Emperor Mapadiri at the very beginning of the book. Like, he, like that guy. Yeah, he, like, shows up. Mm. He and Kuni are, like, friends. They, like, kiki and shit. They, like, get brunch. Um, <laughs> so he shows up. And basically, he's like, look, Kuni girl, we got to take over. Um, so the capital city is called Pond. So that's, like, the headquarters of, like, everything going on in Shana. He's like, if we go to Pond, we could, like, really, like, turn the tide of this rebellion and, like, fuck shit up. We should, like, get the emperor and, like, you know, call it a day. Mm-hmm. And so basically, he's like, so we need to go to this island called, like, Tan Adu for, like, assistance. There's, like, a whole subplot. But basically, Luanzia used to live there. They go there. Frankly, they did not deserve the people of Tan Adu's, mm. like, assistance. But whatever. They got it. Um, it but the thing that y'all need to know is that essentially next to that island, there are these creatures called Krubins that are kind of like whales. I get whales with like tentacles is kind of the image I was getting in my mind. But yeah, I think they so have like, these, like sparkly sh- shield armor on them or something. Yeah. Like a narwhal. I don't know. Let's continue. Some, like, <laughs> it's given aquatic energy, whatever. Right. So basically, like, I guess they're like, oh, we're going to ride Krubins to Pond. And I was like, wait, so we had to go all the way to Tan Adu <laughs> just to take Krubins to Pond? Couldn't we have just gone to Pond? And they're like, no, but we needed the supply. And I'm like, Krubins. we, I guess, <laughs> I, like, they're like, we need to like humanize Luan's character. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, sure. but couldn't we have done it in a way that was like literally a bit more convenient? They're like, <laughs> Stop asking all these goddamn questions, girl. Like, just read this damn book. Anyway, so they ride these, like, um, walruses, I don't know, to Pond. And they get there. And so it was, like, Cooney and the girls. They, like, basically take over. So I, okay. I was like, oh, my God. They were, like, about to get the emperor. Like, basically, they had this whole thing where they were, like, whoever captures the emperor becomes, like, a a count or, like, a duke or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, there was, like, some exchange of power at the end. So I was like, oh, my God. It's going to be a whole battle. Like, the emperor, his current name is Arishi. Arishi, by the way, is, like, 14. Um, If even. um, Like, if even. Like, might be pubescent. Unclear. Basically, they're, like, whoever captures Arishi is going to, like, I don't know, have some power and shit. So I was expecting this whole battle. I was like, oh, my God. Arishi's going to come with the whole squad. Mm -hmm. But basically, they just kind of, like, roll up and take over pond in like five days yeah. um or like in like five pages sorry like it's like it's like super quick it like takes no time um goran pira who had this like whole backstory yeah. about revenge on the empire got killed quick. so unceremoniously mm-hmm. and i was i was actually pissed because i was like i i like i wanted to see okay okay that's fine that, it, it, whatever it's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> whatever like, we're just gonna move on um <laughs> So yeah, so all y'all need to know basically is that in all of this, Mata is not there, but Kuni is. And so Kuni basically takes over Pawn, basically kind of has Pawn under his control while Mata is like kind of doing other things. This will come up later, so just remember that fact. Mm. So, so, so while Mata isn't in Pawn, Mata is um elsewhere. I don't really remember, but basically He's it was like Wolf Finn, Pond, which is his... this other place. <laughs> ah, yes, yes, yes. So Finn, his like late uncle, um, basically was like, had, kind of was like, oh, Mata, you need to like be a leader of like this squadron. Like kind of like gave him like a lesser title in like what he all wanted to do. So Mata's kind of like depressed and also Princess Kakomi, who he was in love with. And I was like, is it really love if y'all like had lunch once? But anyway, right. um, basically like he was just like, I'm so devastated and betrayed and heart broken. Um, but he was like, 
like, you know what, let's roll up to Wolf's Paw and figure this shit out. So he gets there. And so in Wolf's Paw, there's like a leader who's like really indecisive. They're like kind of with the rebellion, but like kind of with the empire. Mm. Sort of just like whoever is like most convenient at the time. So they real like fickle in the shit. Um, and the leader there is just like, he's very indecisive with his energy. Like, because basically... The people who live in Wolf's Paw plus the Rebellion are basically going against the the Shauna Empire. And so, like, the the leader of Wolf's Paw is like, oh, like, I feel like we should attack. But, like, oh, actually, just kidding. Like, he's just very, right. very pickled. And so Mata's like, you know what we don't have time for? This. Mm. And, like, Mata, okay, so <laughs> Mata doesn't really give a fuck about tactics. He doesn't give a fuck about strategy. <laughs> like, he's like, what we're going to do is we're just going to take all the troops that we have and roll the fuck up. So literally Mata rolls up. He's like, greatness is not gifted. We have to like earn it. And so he basically shows up to Wolf's Paw. Has like, I think 2,000 soldiers. Mind you, Shauna Empire has like a smooth 40,000. Pretty sure Kendo Morana is also there. A bunch of people. Mm. And so you would think, okay, 2,000 versus 40,000. 40, like this is really about to be, this is about to be a wrap. But I guess like, I mean, he basically he was like, we must win this for the rebellion. And mm-hmm. so the 2,000 people basically low-key kind of transcend humanity and decimate 40,000 like I, it's fantasy y'all whatever basically the 2000 side the rebellion somehow wins this battle and again with no strategy they just like with brute force just fight their way through and like literally Mata's like bloodshed was just raining all over me and I'm like this is like a lot mm-hmm. but um the rebellion wins and it's like cute um but the empire is like oh that's cute but we can just put this whole island under siege real quick it ain't that deep whatever so at this point mata is like kind of ruling wolf's paw but like unofficially this is like a whole thing so he's trying to figure out okay like if we're under siege like how are we going to escape the situation then like a literal god dressed up as like an old woman shows up and basically is like if you can sacrifice like because, okay, so after the battle with the Shauna Empire, they defeated 20,000 of the 40,000. Like, they killed, like, half of them, and the other half surrendered. So they were, like... So the god was, like, if you can just sacrifice, like, a whole lot of people to me, I can get you off this island. That's and Mata's like, I mean, I don't really have a plan, so we just go... We can make that work. And so basically, he literally makes the surrendered Shauna soldiers, like build ships that basically were their own demise because mm-hmm. they thought oh we're going to use these ships to get to the big island which is like the you know the main continent of dara but what ended up happening was that like they built the ships sent them out to sea trapped them in like trapped just the soldiers in the boats and basically like this like god of the sea uh ate, half Cuban walrus i don't know like eats <laughs> all of them and basically is like, okay, cool. So now we can get y'all back to the main island. And like, Mata's like, that was perfect. And they were like, um, no. Did you really have to kill 20,000 people who already surrendered and ostensibly kind of joined your side? And he was like, it was the only way. And it's like, Dar has like airships. Like, I'm sure, sure they could have like done something. And they're like, <laughs> it was the only way, the gods. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Mata, so that, so that rationale is paper thin. Yeah. But okay, Mama, that's fine. But it's not fine because it's actual mass murder. But whatever. Um, so meanwhile, while all this is happening, in Pan, Cooney is uh, basically leading the city, um, but he only has like 500 rebellion soldiers. The rest, like, they were like pr- completely outnumbered by like surrendered Shauna soldiers. So they're like, okay, we have to figure out a way so like that the soldiers don't like rebel against us because like that would be a mess. So basically they kind of allow the soldiers there, like the surrendered soldiers to just like 
loot the city for like 10 days and they're like oh like if we do that then like once we come back into power they're gonna be like oh my god thank god the rebellion saved us from these like wild ass soldiers who were like wreaking havoc and i'm like i I feel like there was a like a like a more graceful way of doing this because like the soldiers did not like they literally stopped at nothing like the amount Mm -hmm. of terror and just it's just oh my god oh my god anyway so Also, while this is happening, because I guess, like, no one could be redeemable, Cooney, like, cheats on Gia, like, aggressively. Yeah. Like, it's, like, it's, like, it's, it's bad. But, like, hella people for, like, two weeks straight. It's, like, a mess. Even his friends were, like, you, bro. (laughs) Like, his friends literally had to, like, peel him out of the situation. Like, I think they had, like, buckets of water and they, like, sprayed it all over him. I think that is actually what happened. They just That's, like, literally what happened. (laughs) And, like, if it had, had it not been for the buckets of water, Cooney would have just kept cheating. I think until death actually <laughs> was just until he died <laughs> like I mean, like was like oh girl, i forgot about the rebellion i was just out here living my best yeah. life and i'm like at gia's expense who's raising your babe and then everyone was like even this crew was like yo remember why we did this in the first place people starving being conscripted into war having to build a mausoleum like we're not here to play games <laughs> right uh, and you're literally playing games girl but I mean, it, okay. I think it is It is supposed to, like, say, like, how um, intoxicating power is, you know, and how a, a mm-hmm. life of ease, even built on the, the violence and oppression of others, is tempting, you know? True. Even to an idealist. I don't know how idealist Cooney really is, but... But it also shows yeah. that, like, community and being accountable to people is how you stop corruption, right? People who right. have measure and influence, actual influence on your life, who you can't just kill <laughs> when they talk out against right. you. Anyway, Marcy, continue. I'm sorry. Of course, of course. No <laughs> Foot, um, Footnotes so yes. with that. So, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we have, like, a little jingle, but, you know, this is, we, we, we ain't got that kind of production yet. But um, in the future, we will. Mm-mm. So, yes. So yeah, so Ch- so Cooney's out here just uh, just uh, whatever the fuck he's doing. Um, and basically he's like, okay, cool. So we have Pawn, we took it over, we're good to go. The like people here love us. Let's just like tell Mata, and Mata can kind of like walk in and like because I think they had this high, uh, this idea that Mata would basically lead everything, and so that was Cooney's idea. Are they like, oh, like we can together tell- or something? Yeah, something like that. So he's like, oh, we can tell Mata. He can like get here. We can like co-lead whatever, whatever. Now Rin, who was Cooney's childhood best friend is like yeah or we could take over the like landscape that like mata and them would have to use to get to pawn and kind of like stop them and like not send word and kind of just like have it for ourselves which feels like something you should have talked about with Cooney. Mm. but rin's like nah, no we best friends girl we, we just gonna do that shit anyway it's fine and like he was like i'm sure this won't come up later <laughs> put a pin in that so meanwhile while all this shit is happening Gia is like still in um where do they live? Zudi? I think it's Kuruku. Kuruku one of those places. Right. Um, There's so somewhere. Gia's there. Somewhere. Um and she lives with basically like, you know, her children. Um there's like so that guy Otho who is like uh like the bandit who like Gia like kind of fell in love with Gia is like, whatever, whatever. I don't think we even really talked about him like that. I basically, will say long- I just want to point out, I remember in part one being like, I don't know if Otho is a, a character of necessity. And he's definitely a side character, but I'm gonna throw him in with a little oh, yes. backstory anyway. And I that is probably my the best prediction I've ever made. Of all the predictions. Oh yeah. 
our predictions from the last episode were actually super spot on. I know we kind of forgot to mention them, but like, Ooh. yeah, like we were like, oh yeah, like we feel like, like I remember at one point I was like, yeah, I think Mata's going to come into power and it's going to be awful. And then he and Kuna are going to come to blows and like, it's going to like, yeah, I don't know, just like, like it's not going to really be that different from the, from Mapadiri and them. And I'm like, wow, look at all of what I said coming true, but mm. we'll get into all of that. But yeah, so basically, yeah, so what were we talking about? Oh, yes, Gia. So Gia is with Otho. <laughs> Long story short, they get to fucking, um, which honestly I'm here for because I'm like, Kunu is out here she, really right. having you look like Boo Boo the Fool out here. But- so like, I'm not even mad for real. Like, get yours. Um, so yeah, so while Gia's there, she gets a house assistant named Soto who is like kind of mysterious and like regal but like basically she kind of she like helps around the house and she's also just like a like a friend and confidant to gia like she kind of is like a great source of counsel and wisdom and all of that so like her character is is much more significant we'll obviously get into more detail about her but basically she's introduced to the scene so after oh and also like soto peeped that like gia and old dude were fucking like she was like are you are you fucking oto and she was like (laughs) me and she was like Yes, you. I mean, are you? The question's the same. Right. You didn't say yes and no, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a say, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a just, I'm a just, I'm a just assume that's a yes. And she is like, I mean, yes, <laughs> yes. And he's like, I mean, that's fine. Like, we don't, we don't. Like, so it's just like, I don't care. Like, live your life, sis. Like, girl, I'm not. Right. Same. I'm this not. Really, I ain't really got a horse in this race. Like, I, I literally <laughs> just work here. Anyway, so basically, um, so pivoting back, so Mata finally gets to Wolf's Paw and. Well, sorry, my bad. Mata, who was in Wolf's Paw, is on his way to Pond. But while he gets to... The, so it's, like, called the Thoko Pass. We don't even need to get into all that. But basically, it's, like, blocked by, like, soldiers who are, like, with Kuni because Rin put them there or whatever. And so now Mata's like, oh, my God, like, Kuni's out here trying to take over Pond without me. Like, we had a deal. And so, like, he's, like, in his feelings. He's like, oh, I thought we were going to lead together. And, like, you're trying to take it over for yourself. What the fuck? And so... Mata's able to get inside Pon, and when I tell you, he destroys everything that once even looked mm-hmm. or resembled Pon. He destro- burned everything, right. shattered everything, terrorism, L- literally looting, just loot, like mass violence. Like it, it was so egregious. And then, the, and then this to give you kind of cues on what, what like what kind of energy Mata's on. He's like. It was satisfying, but it felt handed to me. And I just, ah, I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just take it from Pana. Like, I didn't want to, like, to like, just to, for this to just be handed to me. So he's like in his feelings about that. And I'm like, right. Mata, what are you talking about? What do you want? Um, but also. So Cooney. Sorry. No, continue. No, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. I was just going to point out that Cooney's not there when this happens. Because oh, yes. him and Rin have a conversation. Rin's like, what? What's the problem? And Cooney's like, did you forget that Mata literally is the definition of bloodlust? <laughs> and and yeah. did, do you remember when we were all drinking together and he like couldn't even like calm down enough to like drink and have a good time? Like, do you remember? <laughs> and you didn't tell him that we took over the city of Pan and you made it seem like we were He's like, we need to back ourselves and go. Like, they literally, like, packed up their they, stuff. Cooney was like, I actually don't want the smoke <laughs> at all. And so he, they literally packed their things and left. Well, they didn't leave. Leave Like, they were, like, outside the city. But they were like, basically, we're just going to be pursed. And yep. if we see them coming, we're going to leave. Like, we were not even going to put up a fight. Because, like, Cooney was like, listen, listen. Like, listen. if ever it came down to me and Mata, we, all, we mm. all know how that would end. Let's not even flex. Y'all already know what time it is. Facts. So... 
So basically, Kuni's kind of just watching Pond be destroyed, and he's like, well, I don't really want the smoke, so I'm not going to intervene. I'm chilling. Like, it's fine. And so Mata, I guess, takes over Pond, basically becomes sort of the ruler of, like, Dara, basically. Yeah. Um, and he, like, he like throws a dinner, and he, like, invites Kuni, and he's like, well, Kuni's going to come to this dinner. And, like, he had this whole plan to, like, humiliate him and, like, kill him. But then Kuni kind of, like, weaseled his way out of the situation and was like, oh, well, Mata, I did all this for you. I wanted, I, I just wanted Pond to be warm and ready for you when you came. And Mata's like, that is more acceptable although the trust is still lost like they don't yeah, they don't really fuck with each other it's because a little bit better yeah because queenie like tries to be straight up honest with him and then monta just isn't hearing about it and so then he's like okay i'm gonna do that thing that i'm good at which is being charming and lying <laughs> And right. he, he's like a little hard. Like, I think this is the moment where Cooney kind of gives up on Mata. I don't think Mata has given up on Cooney. Um, I, I don't mm. think Mata is aware that Cooney is now more adversarial to him. Like, he's still in his feelings. Uh, but he oh, doesn't definitely. think that Cooney is thinking, like, he doesn't think Cooney's playing 4D chess, you know? <laughs> like, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but meanwhile, like, Cooney was playing chess in the past, present, and future. Like, literally, like, just... right. Had it down, but um, but yeah. So that's kind of all that happens there. Essentially, Mata, as like now, I guess the kind of ruler of everything, um, devised the lands, but like pettily, like he literally like goes through the rolodex of people who were like yeah. involved in all of this and was like, I don't like this bitch, so I'm gonna give them this like really shitty piece of land. Um, this people, these people over here, like. I like them, so I kind of want them close to me. So we'll just have them be here. Like he literally was just sitting, going through, and just kind of pettily putting people wherever, and like without any regard to like historical relations or just like cohesion, just didn't give a shit about any of that. It was just like, I'm just going to get myself the big, like basically I'm going to get the biggest piece of chicken right. and y'all can just figure out the rest. Which by the way has happened multiple times in the history of human race. We can think about the yes. partition of India, the Berlin conference. You can also think of the conquestors dividing up the new world. This is literally excessively and continuously something that happens throughout human history. Definitely. And it always, and always causes problems and i'm like wow so like entire states are crafted by like the petty relationships between like a small cast of characters interesting mm-hmm. interesting interesting okay also cool. how Bad. old is Mata? like think about it his uncle's 13 years older than him and his uncle's like 35 yeah Mata's like 22 like that prefrontal cortex isn't even fully right developed. No right shade. facts so what anyway um what was I saying? Um, oh, yes. So Mata gives Kuni this this like island called Dasu, not to be confused with Dara, which is the name of the continent. So Dasu <laughs> is like this small-ass island. And he's like, oh, like it's far and... You're not a threat. I gotta deal with Kuni, so yep. whatever. We're just gonna keep him here. However, his family, they gonna stay right next to me in Karuko. And so basically kind of keeping them as like collateral, essentially. Which actually used to it's, happen in Japan, I think, with the... Um, oh, interesting. In like the feudal system, like you would have... Like feudal lords' families would be in like Tokyo, separated from them as like collateral mm-hmm. <laughs> in case they went up against the imperial government. Someone can fact check me on that, but I think that's correct. Anyway, continue. Interesting. Yeah, so I mean, that's like that's literally what happened. So basically, Kuni sent. Uh, it, it kind of Loki feels like exile. He like goes to Dasu, um, but is able to like sneak his way back to Karuko to like visit G and them after a while. Like he was like in Dasu. Also, for, like, it like literally. Like, it, it, it like wasn't. No, 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 keep going. I was just gonna say like he didn't like. There was no 
issue. <laughs> like, like he was in Dasu and they're like, you can never see your family. You can't leave Dasu. And he was like, boop, boop, boop. And he just like walked over to Croak. Like he, like he literally, I think had like a beard on or something. Right. Like, just like this like weak, a- weak ass disguise. And he was just like, he like had like a little top hat and a monocle and oh like gets to Gia's door. And she's like, who the fuck is this? And then Cooney's like, girl, I know you're not sitting here. <laughs> he was like, acting like my disguise. But like, it's really not given all that. Like I literally, I am clearly Cooney Garber. I'm like, so girl, dead. Come on. It was like a Clark, so, Clark Kent level like he put on his glasses he took off his glasses kind of situation and like no one and also like I was like wait so it was kind of again like that moment with like Taraji and Acrimony like how did she get on the boat I was like wait <laughs> how did you get to the main island like so there was quickly. literally five different islands between Dasu and Dara so I was like how did you did you walk across the water who, <laughs> did, who took you I was like how did you sneak past? like did not go into any detail about that they were like and Cooney just rolled up and I'm like so how whatever <laughs> so everyone so everyone gets a backstory in this whole story everyone has a backstory regardless of like like goran piro gets 20 pages <laughs> cooney getting to his family i feel i feel like that would have been interesting but it's fine what it's it's fine so he gets there and things are like tense because like everyone's cheating on everybody and like cooney garu has the actual audacity to be like gia has cheated on me and i'm like this the same Gia that you cheated on for two weeks straight, repeatedly, like with a nonstop that that you were bad at her. For- mm-hmm. Yeah. So, also, haven't you anyway. been like running around doing whatever you want while Gia like takes like, care of everything? Your entire like y'all's family, right. like you know how it's both your families. Right. Like it's like your families. You, like, both had children together. Like you like both. Like y'all both. Like y'all literally went half on a baby. So I'm confused. <laughs> Like, I don't. It's like you went. Your, you go Dutch on dinner. <laughs> you went like, like, like you didn't child. go. You didn't go a quarter on a baby. Y'all went half on a baby. I'm so dead. I'm confused as to how you're. <laughs> anyway, so Soto comes in. And she's like, "Look, it's problems here. Let me just maneuver. Let me kind of figure things out." And she kind of just like assuages everything. Um, she has a conversation with Gia where she's like, "Look, you have political influence and power. You need to leverage that to make things better for people in Dara because like these motherfuckers clearly ain't doing that shit." And Gia's like, "Ooh, Loki, you're kind of right." Um, also, they have a conversation between well, Gia and Cooney have a conversation where like Gia's like, "You're gonna go back to Dasu, and I feel like you should just like get another wife while you're there. You know, just like find another one." And I was kind of like, "That's interesting." So they essentially kind of open up their marriage and kind of are like, "We're just gonna like." have other partners and i was like that seems like progressive given I like everything else in, huh i don't know let's talk it about was, this because I, yeah, well, yeah, yeah we'll get to it because well, 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 yeah <laughs> i definitely yeah i was kind of maybe in a different well. circumstance if they hadn't just like been cheating on each other and like if it wasn't i i, I also think in like historical context like this feels like i mean it ends up causing the problems that i think it's gonna cause anyway but let's Let's, we'll put a pin in it. Sorry, continue. We should, yeah, we should, I, yeah. I think the the type of relationship, irrespective of the context, seems like a progressive choice. But when you put it in context, it is a, it is. I agree with you. It's actually much more complicated than that. So, well, we will talk about it. But basically, um, oh, what was next? Oh, yes. So Cooney's like going back to Dasu, <laughs> and he like literally, literally right after having this conversation with Gia, yeah, and basically meets a woman named Rusana who like manipulates smoke and is like apparently just so beautiful. So they like he like spends two weeks at her. I don't know what is with with Cooney in this like two weeks, fourteen day spread. I'm like, is this like foreshadowing to coronavirus? Like I'm confused. Like what are we doing? I'm um, dead. So literally quarantining with Rasana, literally. Um, and so basically after that, like Rasana's like, oh well, shit. Like I mean, I I ain't got shit going on here, and I'm like, wait, 
didn't you have like a house and like a whole life? And she's like, I'll just like move to Dasu. And I'm like, okay. Do you have like family or friends? Like you're just, that's Moving fine. Da- so, right. so they move back to Dasu, the two of them. Um, and from there, Kuni and Gia are kind of like exchanging letters, trying to figure out what happens next in the, like in the world and like all of that. Cause Kuni kind of wants to take over everything again. And like, cause Mata's awful. Right. So he has this um, idea. This is kind of where we get to this idea of like, Oh, the cycle continues. Cause Kuni is like, you know, the problem was we had all these different kingdoms and we were fighting, but under like Mapadiri, we were one kingdom. It's just that Mapadiri was evil. So we need to be one kingdom under somebody else. And you're like, I feel like, I feel like that's not. And then he's like, but he's correct in the sense that the kingdoms did used to just fight each other and they are actually starting to fight each other again after Sean broke apart. But then you're like, but are you forgetting the fact that you literally were going to be murdered for not getting prisoners? (laughs) <laughs> right like literally like let me just flip back the pages oh but was that page 200 <laughs> um <laughs> and so the, they all of that mm-hmm. essentially the biggest thing y'all need to know from these conversations is that gia at one point is like hey Cooney, i know you're talking about how you're struggling to like raise an army and like i don't know build forces have you considered like incorporating women into your plan at all like into the army and like just dasu in general and he was like Huh? <laughs> never thought about that. And I'm like, never, never thought about so that. So that, so you literally at no point. At... But anyway, so Aka, you can talk about the second half. Um, <laughs> like, I'm done. So, um, so about at the point where Gia puts in his head that women have personalities. There is a young woman named Jen <laughs> Mazzotti who comes into the story and she's kind of this badass. She grew up kind of like running the streets now. She was, I mean, she she like escaped from an indigo house, which was a brothel, at least that's how they describe yeah. it. And she grew up kind of like, yeah, trying to make her way in the world. She gets raised by some bandits. Something happens with the bandits and she ends up having to leave them too and she like disguises her gender because the world is dangerous and apparently women don't even have screen time in this story so she was like looking at the other characters like background <laughs> stories and she was like mm, three to <laughs> 10 to 1 I get got so let me just hide, my <laughs> hide that I'm a woman. Like She was like I'm really not about to sit here and be a couplet like the rest of y'all. Right. Like I'm about to take up pages. Y'all got me fucked up. I'm about to be the whole second arc. Y'all got me right. She's like, I'm not about to get guys. So anyway, so she gets this mentor who teaches her like military strategy and everything. So she rolls up on Cooney and Cooney's crew like test her out and they realize she's dope and she's know what she's doing. So they're like, all right, you know what? We're going to make you the Marshal of Dasu. And all the men are mm-hmm. like, no, patriarchy. But she's like super in- innovative and amazing. And obviously it's mm-hmm. like that trope, but we'll get to that. And then the like wins everyone <laughs> over to her side. And she's like, I'm awesome. And everyone's like, but it's like the Arya Stark complex. Let's keep going. So <laughs> Dasu becomes this like haven for the marginalized in a way, which is like kind of dope. And like Loki, like, you know, like, because even when they were in pawn and zudi was in charge after he had his little two-week quarantine he like came back and he was like really really (laughs) ruling pawn and like the way he ruled zudi like he actually was being fair and helping people out that's why it was so devastating when mata came in and just started like throwing hands because the people of pawn were like we were good we were good we were good (laughs) we were were having fun like fuck yeah we were having fun with orishi or mabadiri kuni was actually fine like we like we were fine right 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 but um anyway so Mm. 
Yeah. Okay. So then Luen Zaya rolls back up because I don't know. He was doing some side plot, side character stuff. And he. So, yeah, something about a book. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. There was some. Oh, read it. If you want to know what. <laughs> like a fisherman oh, girl. Right. Yeah. If you want to anyway. know what Luen was doing, just read the book. But um, <laughs> he's like. <obviously, laughs> he comes back and he's upset because if you remember, he, he thought that killing Mapadiri would you know and the problems and it would bring peace to to the land that was kind of his whole mm-hmm. thing of when he was younger and when Han was destroyed and he was on a kite anyway mm-hmm. and so he's like disillusioned because now they're here and they've defeated Mapadiri and things are worse or at least as bad and yeah, Cooney's definitely at least as bad. yeah <laughs> and so Cooney's like I, this is why I think we gotta you know re- re- reunite under a different leader and they're like I don't know man so meanwhile Jin created some underground tunnels and took some more territory it was very dope but that's just what happened so then yeah. news reaches Mata who's pissed he's like I knew I should have killed Cooney earlier he's going to destroy me so he <laughs> rolls up on Gia and he's like you know I'm going to kill you. But Soto is like, whoop, actually, I'm your aunt. And that like matriarch energy just came in. You know that auntie right. energy. When your auntie rolls like, up and opens the door, you're like, ah, <laughs> 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 auntie. <laughs> like, it's serious. Like, you don't play it's with your auntie. It's always super effective. Fact- like, you don't, you don't play. <laughs> it was like a Pokemon <laughs> battle. Like, Soto shows up. <laughs> it's super effective. <laughs> Like Soto literally at one point just closed the door like in his face, and Mata's like, "I could, I could literally destroy this door and just barge my way into this house, but I'm just, I'm not going to, because not going to, because like again, the auntie energy, the way I could never, like, I just." Mm-hmm. I- that's how you know and this book right. was written by a POC because that's a yeah. real POC answer to things. And then his <laughs> like, aunt said, "No, well." <laughs> Soto looked at him. And he was like, "You might be four feet taller than me, but right. I." Actually, I am undefeated, and she was so. It's true, and so she basically kind of gives him, reads him. He's like, she's like, look, do you think that your father never? I, she was like, I watched your father do heinous things. I watched him create crimes to like build his empire. Like, you're talking mm-hmm. about you need to do all this to restore your glory. Like, you don't think your ancestors participated in the cycle of violence that led to today? Oh, come on. And Mata was like, you're that makes sense, but I'm Mata, and so sense just eludes me. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and Dia's like, okay, well, this is an interesting turn of events. Like, she's also reading the book. She's like, huh, I guess I should have seen that coming, but I didn't. <laughs> like, Dia's also in, like chapter 38, and I'm like, oh, wow, like, you, this is right, this is right. Something. She's like, huh, interesting. Um, no more secrets, so don't. And so they're like, yeah, fine. So, meanwhile, this like all women's crew is like dropping pamphlets all over Dara, being like, yo, Matazindu, you know, he he doesn't like to eat his vegetables, like Matazindu, right. he'll like steal your chocolate bar that you bought with your lunch money. <laughs> Money, you know, Matazindu is the these, worst. These pamphlets, these are, these are from Cooney. So this all, yeah, these yes. are like Cooney's sort of like force. Smear campaign. Um, yes. Okay, so then there's this side plot, but it's like a main plot, but like not really, where this woman named Mira, <laughs> her brother like fought and died for Mata. And then Mata just meets her on the side of the road. And she's like, hey, you know, my brother really believed in you. He was like always writing about you to me. And he's like, she's like, he 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 died fighting for you when you guys took over the mausoleum in Pan, which by the way was completely unnecessary because you so already had the city. And he died in this whole like looting thing. Do you remember him? And Mata's like, no. And she's like, oh. oh. She's like, my brother, he's like, I, I don't. Who like loved you and like really admired you and like thought the most of you. Doesn't, doesn't ring a bell. Um, uh, he's like, just, did, just give me a hint. Like, well, like, what was the first letter of his name? And she's, she's like, like 
Okay. So Mats right. is like, to make up for this, I will take care of you forever. And it's like unclear what he means by that, but he's like, Yeah, I'll just do it. And you're like, Matsu, you really are not that old. And you really, you've got young people energy. Anyway, so. I Absolutely. guess it's like a courting process. I guess it's not. Even Mira's like, I also don't know what's going on. She's flipping through the book like, what? <laughs> you don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> right. She's like, how does my story plot end? Anyways. Like Mata's horse doesn't know. No one knows. <laughs> Hazel doesn't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on, girl. Hazel <laughs> rolls up what? and is like, girl, I don't know what in God's going to Girl, fuck it. I'm like, wow, Hazel, you really just be traveling across time space. Anyway. But, um. <sighs> Anyways, Hazel's a dog from Small Beauty, uh, yes. by the way, in case y'all are like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's so. also a great book, Small Beauty. So if you want to read it, you great. should. Please, yeah. Listen to those episodes too. Mm-hmm. Oh, good point. Thank you very much. Here we are. So anyway, Mira. Anyway, continue. <laughs> so this stranger appears out of nowhere. Guess what? It's a god undercover. I know. We were all surprised. And he's, oh my god. <laughs> he's like, here's a weapon to kill Mata. And Mira is undecided about that. She's like annoyed that Mata doesn't remember her brother, but she's also annoyed that everyone keeps like wanting her to do stuff for them and yeah. Yeah. To Mata. she's like i don't even know this man like i the only reason right. i'm around is because he killed my brother <laughs> like i don't what do you want from me so mata is also undecided on mira um he like <laughs> wants to be good to her but he like doesn't understand feelings <laughs> it's like oh my god i don't know like actually does it yeah anyway they eventually get together and mira is super loyal for reasons that no one understood oh my god we'll talk about it so the Dasu forces <laughs> use these mechanical Krubins that they built with, I guess, the help of everyone on the island of Dasu. And they're just taking over land. You know, their forces yep. are taking Jinpin and Ha'an and mm-hmm. more generally. And they're actually not using violence, which is refreshing. I was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, that's nice. Like, oh, that's nice. Huh. Well, I mean, they do kill the people in charge, typically. Right. Um, like, they beheaded Kendo Morana. And I'm like, wow, that was oh, uh, yeah. really violent. But aside from that, I mean, the people, like the populace. They're fine. Right. Because so. Kendu Murano actually, after Sean lost, he like joined Mata's crew because Mata was like, I respect you on some fuddy duddy nonsense. And then he was working with him, and then, but eventually he got God. Sorry, guys. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For, oh, sorry. I forgot to explain that exchange of There's uh, no, power there, I mean, it but, was um... such a footnote. <laughs> so then. <laughs> <laughs> So then Kunigaru and his crew head back to Zudi again and they reunite with everyone. But then I guess Mata figured Yay! out that they were there and he rolls up on them too and he's about to destroy everything. And Kuni and Risana leave with the kids because Gia decides to do that, like partially out of love. But then Soto's like, now you've made them indebted to you forever. And then Gia's like, yeah, but also I could have just done it because I like them. And she's like, but also not really. And she makes this good point about like all this strategizing, like, What's the where does the strategizing end and the real you begin? And I would posit Ooh. the theory that there is no difference between the two. You are both Oof. your strategic and your most like emotional self. Anyway, um, so and I I will say just let me just I'm oh, sorry. Please, no, <laughs> go ahead. I want to add super quick. In that process where Rasana left, you know, it was like uh, Kuni, Rasana, and the kids like left on this like airship or whatever. There was a whole negotiation exchange where they're trying to figure out because like all of them were trying to leave, like you know, Gia, Kuni's dad, Ran, all these like all these people, right? We're trying to leave together, but the ship like wouldn't take off with all of them on it, and so literally they're trying to figure out, okay, like who's gonna stay and who's gonna go. When I tell you, Kuni Garu had the odd walked up to his two children, was like. I need y'all to be brave and get off the ship. And Gia was like, have you what? And he was like, oh, I mean, we could just like have more kids. And I'm like, no. Like he wanted to just like leave Gia and Rosanna and just like leave the kids. And I'm like, no. (laughs) So Cooney has actually 
the sunken place. Yeah. He, she, we have fallen. Although I, I, I guess don't. if you think about the way his parents kind of were like, you're not that, you know what I mean? Like they, they chose the safety over him too, in a way in the past. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That was like a really symbolic yeah. interpretation. I could Thank be wrong. Intro- wow. I did not consider that at all. Mm. Hmm. So, Continue. but but she is like that's we're not doing that. <laughs> like just, <laughs> I I don't I understand, I understand you have a tragic backstory, Cooney. We're not doing that. So she gets off the ship and she leaves Rasana and Cooney and the kids together on the ship alive. Mm. Because Cooney's like, well, I'll get off the ship, and everyone's like, literally, if you get off the ship and die, there's like no point in anything. And then yeah, like literally everything ends. Yeah. So. It doesn't really matter because Cooney then just like rolls up on Mata. And I'm like, okay, if you guys were going to escape, then why is Cooney talking to Mata? I was, I like turned the pages right. back and forth. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. But Mata's oh like, I'm going to eat your father. <laughs> it's like, that escalated. Yeah, cool. I was like, awesome. Nothing's off the table. <laughs> cool. Bet. Such a high an escalation. But I, I do think it was supposed to be like Mata was kind of like trying to intimidate him and kind of be like, do you really think I'm like that type of person? And Cooney kind of like calls his bluff. And so they're, bu- but Mata's kind of like, oh, so he really does think, because Cooney's like, fine, eat him, go ahead, see what I care. And then Mata's like, oh my God. Put some seasoning too. Right. Like, he's like, here's was... some adobo. <laughs> like... he's, he's like, I want some too. <laughs> Shit, save me some. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, but I think it's supposed to be this moment of like, Mata's like, wow, you really think I'm that heinous and you're so, oh, so horrible that you would give up your father, which I mean, he almost gave up his kids. So there is some truth to that. And then Cooney yeah. is kind of like, wow, Mata's really lost it. Like, I, I, I actually don't think Cooney thinks that, I think. I think he's just calling his bluff but anyway so yeah. zudi gets destroyed and cooney's forces try to re-establish themselves jen who's a badass just run around taking over stuff she takes over the city yeah. of faka and becomes the queen i didn't know we were doing queens and kings of the, of the i thought we were doing dukes but here we are so she takes yeah. over and becomes the queen and uh people start like want to start some dissent between her and Zudi. They're like, but you know, Jin, you've been taking over everything. Like you should take over. And then Jin's like, you know, for now I'm good. Um, I just want to not to do that. Um, so the war drags <laughs> on and eventually Mata and Zudi call a truce. At which point Luen Zaya is like, so I know that you just called a truce and that we should respect the truce, but I think this is the perfect time to attack. And Cooney's like, <laughs> yeah, all right. So they, I agree. <laughs> so they do. <laughs> I mean, at this point, you see how much the, like, their brotherly affections have deteriorated. So yeah. Mata is completely at a disadvantage. Kuni's army is coming to destroy everyone. Mata eventually gives up at the point where he realizes those two brothers that like aren't that important to the story, Rotho and Dafino, who I, I think they yeah. actually do play a role that I like, but we'll talk about. But anyway, that he realizes like Rotho, who's like his right-hand man at this point, is like, I'm going to have to, that's my brother. And he's like, whoa, I may have sacrificed 20,000 people. I may have looted and destroyed towns, but brothers having to fight each other and what? Now, that's just ridiculous. I think we need to give up. I must draw the line. And I'm like, that moral compass, I'm like, we need it. We need it repaired. I'm like, it is in pieces. I'm like, that (laughs) couldn't have, I feel like that should have, that should have come up earlier like, in the story i'm like so the so the 1000 people that you buried alive like, right earlier i'm mm. like I, so none of them had a brother i'm sure at least right. one of them had a brother maybe like, two had brothers three even maybe shit maybe you buried them with their brother like right, right. <laughs> what anyway so anyway so anyway he gives up Rotho also was like, no, I'm I'm gonna sacrifice for my myself for your ideals and to go down with the ship. So I don't commit like 
trigger warning suicide. And then, mm. um, yeah, in the aftermath, even the horse gets killed. And I was like, really? That was kind of sad. Anyway, so in the aftermath, everything was like quiet, but not peaceful, I would say. It seems like Rasana's yeah. kids are going to be heirs over Gia's, which this is a trilogy. So you know this is going to cause a problem. And then oh, Jin and Kuni are on, are on the same side for now. But Luen Zaya, I think, is dating Jin. And then he's lost trust oh, yeah. in Kuni. That was a side plot. Again, that's 300. It's 600 pages, people. There's some... We didn't get to everything. <laughs> we had to cut We Jin had out. to. <laughs> we would be here all, all day. day. <laughs> but it's... Anyway, so in, in, in Luen's kind of lost trust in Kuni so it kind of sets up for this trilogy part two and which i think there's a whole new cast of characters right the kids are probably gonna grow up you know i'm sure there's mm-hmm. some other palace intrigue some people from here and there who are gonna show back up again and uh yeah but that's that's the end of part one mm-hmm. yeah so. or I, I guess part two the rest of the book yeah right um, sorry that's the end of book <laughs> book one of the trilogy I'm like Yes. But it's this part two of the po- Okay, we're going to take a break. <laughs> yeah, let's... <laughs> and when we come back, we'll talk about the book. <laughs> Sounds good. See y'all in a bit. And we're back. Yes. Yay. That is a fact. We are, <laughs> yes, we, we are indeed back. Yeah, we were away and here we are. Okay, so anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's like, it's like a 20 second break. I know. It's, okay. It's like- <laughs> but <laughs> Here's the discussion. <laughs> here, yes, here we are. We are- yeah, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I think th- I, I do. Okay, I think that some of the complaints I had and the previous book were addressed. Um, mm-hmm. Movement had more story arcs. And I think that I'm less annoyed with Kikiomi's character because there were more different types of women making different types of decisions and having mm. more agency. Not a lot. I didn't say it was a lot, but they had more yeah. than they did before. I th- really like the silk punk aspects. I like the flying kites. I like the Karubans. I like the, mm-hmm. what's it called? The kites in the air. That stuff's cool. I wish that there was more of that. And I, I know yeah. this book is a book about war. So it literally is on the cover. It's like a helmet with a dandelion coming out mm-hmm. of it. So I don't know why I was like, there's a tad, there's a tad too much war in this book for my liking. <laughs> You're like, yeah, this book about war has too much war for you. Yeah. So I think that's just like a personal preference, which is like, Akko, isn't this your pick, didn't you? And I'm like, look, you know what? I make spontaneous decisions. So, mm. I, I, but yeah, I do like that aspect of it. It, it. The book kind of made me think, and I don't know if this was its intention, but I was like, was there's something very frivolous about empire building. Um, mm. And I couldn't. What, I, I I still struggle with this question because I'm like, well, you're saying that as if you're plopped into the world, you know, brand new without old empires and people just like build empires. But the, like people's motivations, first and foremost, you see at the beginning is just to get away from being oppressed themselves, right? The, rebel- the rebels right. are like, ooh, we don't want to go to Pan and have to build a mausoleum. And then Cooney's like, ooh, I really don't want to die. You know what I mean? Like, their first, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the first thing that people are trying to do is get out of that. 
uh, I just, I, and so I think people build new empires to replace old ones. And this is what I was saying about the ideal thing earlier as a way to like, mm-hmm. hopefully build a structure that's not oppressive or at least where they're not oppressed. And, and so when I thought about it that way, I was like, Oh, this is like, it's kind of rough that we've been dropped into this world that's in this cyclical pattern. And I was like, Mm -hmm. what would free us from this? And I was like, imagination would imagination help anyone. And they're like, I I, (laughs) sure kid. So anyway, that book, I'm not saying I like spun into an existential crisis, but Mm. you know, if you know me, that's kind of par for the course, but I I did make me wonder (laughs) about like, what we just act very frivolously and it doesn't seem to matter in the end. Um, Mm. And what anyone did so that was i think that was the point of the story i think that I, I i agree yeah and i think the writer you don't like a lot of the characters and their motivations i don't think the writer wants you to i think he wants you to say like no these are people and people do terrible things but i do still think that the writer maybe didn't completely examine the tropes that they used and assumed mm-hmm. the truth and universality of them um mm. I, I kind of think that when I think about Kuni talking to Tan, the Tan Adu people, just because there was like one point where he was like, <laughs> the Tan Adu people were like, stop invading us. And Kuni's like, I can't really promise that. And then he's like, you know, sometimes maybe the Tan Adu people will want to come. Like, he basically, his argument was like, for as long as possible, people are going to want to discover the unknown. Maybe like some Tan Adu people are going to want to come and like wear silk and like eat off of porcelain tables and like marry people from Dara. But then on the reverse, he was like, and the Dara people are going to want to invade and take over. And I was like, skirt, what? <laughs> those are not that's not like that is not on the same scale right like it's not on what like two ends of a seesaw right no so there's this assumption that like a quote-unquote like society will come and take over this quote-unquote less advanced society and like take over and that the less advanced society quote-unquote i'm using quotes very strongly here will want to like integrate into this other society that's not the history of how yeah you know any indigenous or colonized people have been integrated into a colonizer society like to be clear most people do not want to integrate into a society that oppresses them you usually break down the original society by separating people from their families making them Mm -hmm. forcing them to go to schools where they can't speak their language using epistemological warfare to make them think less of themselves like so i -hmm. think that's like the narrative he was using is one that is said in history books a lot, but that's unexamined and is the perspective of the the people who wrote the history who are the winners. Do you see what I'm saying? And I think he integrated yeah. that into the story without really examining it. And that kind of frustrated me because I don't like when fantasy doesn't makes assumptions as if they're universal because mm-hmm. it's it kind of reinforces that this is just the way people are when I don't think that's true. Mm. Um but I still like the book. I think it's a good book. I I don't know if I'll read the rest of it. There's a lot of like I said, there's a lot of war. But I think it's nuanced. I think it's yeah. a nuanced novel. I think he does well what he sets out to do, which is to show the multifaceted um perspectives of things. And kind of like Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, showing that like people might have whole backgrounds and and motivations and just get got. Like Gorimpira just zoop yeah. out the story. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I I definitely share a lot of that sentiment as well. It's so weird. I feel like reading this book, like this happened a lot in part one, definitely happened in part two, but more so in part one. I was like, I feel like I was just constantly like, this is interesting. And then I'm like, oh, 
I'm irritated reading this. Like I feel like <laughs> yes. I was constantly going back and forth. Um, and ultimately at the end, uh, I mean, whether or not I like the book, I mean, it's just my interpretation of it. But I think something that I, will, I, I agree with you in the sense that like, I feel like one thing I can appreciate about the book is that I think it did show just kind of like, yeah, like the senselessness, the like the capricious nature, mm. the like kind of just how random a lot of like, I mean, just like war and like, you know, land division, all this other shit is like set up like and even just like kind of like. In some ways, I struggle with whether or not the book glorified war. I also I wonder. I, also I, I feel like it did and didn't. I feel like there was a, it glorified war and really war as a case study, violence as a concept that validates a sense of like toxic masculinity. I feel like that was present, but like the actual reality day to day living of being at war and like all like this constant conflict, I don't think it necessarily put that on a pedestal. So I think that there was just like, it was complicated, I, I guess. But I don't even know I, if they, I don't, I don't even, this is, see, I feel like I need to talk to Ken Liu because because I feel like I don't even know if he was really saying that this was a good idea. You know what I mean? There was just like these little, mm. like when I think about Finn's character and the way he was like, yeah, he used to like, like to do art and like beautiful things, but now he like doesn't anymore. <laughs> and he like hid that yeah. part away from himself. You know, like I just feel like part of me wonders if the whole point was to even just be like, yeah, this violence isn't really even justify right but i don't I know mean, I, that i might be giving him too much credit i'm leaning towards yeah i mean again i also don't know but i that was my interpretation like i was like i feel like in the book i mean even the way that the war drags on mm-hmm. and how like honestly kind of at the end like sort of skipped oh like the book just like kind of skipped over a lot of shit it was like okay girl let's just like let's just fast this like at one point it was like yeah there was a stalemate it lasted for three years next chapter i was like okay so in one sentence we just moved <laughs> we just mm-hmm. had, like a whole time skip like i feel like just like the dragging on was like like it's not like it was dragging on and that nothing was happening like things were constantly happening but i think just like the the repetitiveness the just like the, it just seems like it was just like it just felt so never ending this war and this conflict like i was just like are we ever going to be out of this like like right. <laughs> this is like a lot and i feel like it did kind of showcase like through goran pira and just like this con- i mean as, as my feelings aside on having really large like needlessly large casts of characters like i feel like <laughs> i could appreciate how it was like okay like you were introducing these characters to kind of showcase like just like it's like like the emotional tie that you as a reader develop to them and sort of like how they're just like so unceremoniously ripped away. It's kind of like, right. yeah, it just shows like the, it's just like everything's just so senseless, right? And so I feel like that was something that I really, really appreciated about the book. Um, like you said, I think a lot of the tropes I felt were very unexamined. Um, I feel like the character is, but again, at the same time, it's like, it made me in a weird way almost think about Obeliskate and kind of just fifth season in general. Mm. Like when it's like, it's like because like, I feel like in those episodes we had a conversation about like like I think we talked about how like like the role was just so violent, but like in the context of a season, it seemed more acceptable though it wasn't. Mm. Like I feel like I kind of had a similar energy here where I was like the way women are characterized, the way you know indigenous peoples are characterized, like all these different things, like is bad. But like somehow it being in the context of war doesn't make it more acceptable. Like let me be clear, but it's like it it it, it adds to a like I don't even know how to narrate it like. There's a oh I see like you're saying it, it, it illustrates the how the patriarchy is formed through violence and how it affects basically. different people and like 
what's it called flattens their existence to something exactly very, like it's just yeah like there's an urgency just behind everything that's happening with the war and all of that that it's just like okay we're just gonna like squash whoever's in the way mm-hmm. but again i'm not sure if that was an intentional choice right. or just a replication of real exactly. world dynamics. i kind of feel like it was the second not the first or maybe it's a mixture so, of the two like maybe uh, you know what i mean like we write yeah from our, our subconscious or our cultural subconscious it's hard to examine every trope when you're writing you know Exactly. So I'm like, was this a choice to have these glaring gaps between how people were characterized and humanized in the story, just in the in the as a way to showcase how war dehumanizes all of us? Like, is that what was happening here? I don't think it was, but I, I, I right, it could right. be. It could. <laughs> but then the question is, let me not. Uh, maybe, but the thing that gets me is that then. You could, you know, you can just choose different subject matters as your main characters mm, and stories. True. <laughs> um, Very true. So I don't, I think I agree with you. I think he tries to give that perspective. I don't think he lands it. Yeah. But he doesn't so, not try. Which at the beginning. Exactly. So there is that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I, I know we kind of talked a little bit, um, like in our little break about Jen's character. Definitely want to talk about yeah her. We kind of like. I mean, we didn't gloss over her. Like, I mean, like she she does like a lot in like I would say the last like third of the book. Like, she's a like a very main character. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, it was kind of interesting. I was like, wait, you just got introduced and just like ascended right. to like, a main character. Like, that's wild. But that's still but, true about uh, life too, right? Like, a character comes in to the to the story, and you're not the story; it's life. But you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, that someone is introduced, and you didn't expect, you know, a dark horse, if you will. Sorry, continue. right. Yeah, and, like, I... One thing I will say about her character, I did like how... Again, sort of with Dasu, like, I, I liked how it became this haven where... We, we kind of skipped over this in the plot summary, but basically, like, the way it would work is that, like, people who maybe just, like, had a certain craft or a certain trade or whatever, whatever, or, like, maybe they themselves were soldiers but, like, you know, had a disability or whatever, they weren't allowed to participate in, in what was going on, like, would move to Dara and basically just kind of, like, submit their ideas to, like, Kuni and, I guess his court and like for example when they dug that tunnel from dasu to this one island and took it over where kendo morano was and stuff that was only because they learned how to do that digging technique from just like this random person that had this Mm. formula and they just gave them a chance they were like that seems like a good idea let's like use it in this one context granted it was still in the context of war and violence so it's not like oh yay like but it's also like i liked how with Jin's introduction, I liked how it kind of, it, it was a little, it's like sort of a showcasing of like, okay, when you actually invest in people and mm-hmm. give them a chance, and again, just trust, like the amount, the degree to which you can innovate and just completely reimagine the current landscape is like, like truly endless. And so yeah. I kind of, I liked that. Um, Jin's character, I, again, I think just, this is just falls back into tropes. Um, you know, it was very much something where, like, you know, there was, like the way she was introduced into the story, like, everyone thought she was a man because, you know, she presented herself in a more masculine way and all these different things. And I feel like it was one of those things where, I mean, yes, she ascended in leadership and, like, I guess, like, in a, like, a really one-on-one way, you can be like, oh, like, a woman in leadership, progress. But it's also, like, Jin, I mean... In conversations with Risana, especially with Risana, but kind of just in general, like she clearly had a lot of like internalized like sexism and misogyny Mm. and kind of like replicated a lot of like just like toxic masculine tropes in a way that like added to, I guess, respect amongst her like, you know, counterparts that were men. But like she did sort of like 
it did kind of have this energy of like, oh, only one of us can really be in power like that. Like, it's like, there's only room for one. It, 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 I feel like there was a scarcity in kind of how she related with other women in a way that I was kind of like, I mean, do we really have to like write women in like stereotype, like in the in the stereotypical ways that we write men in order for them to be like characterized and validated and right. respected? Like, I just, I, I find that so, anno- I find that just so, I, I, I'm just tired. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, irrespective of like, you know, like how masculine feminine you are, whatever, whatever. Like, I'm just like, we should just like, have women in leadership and wielding power and like being human and three-dimensional just like period and they shouldn't have to like be quote-unquote like men in order to receive that and i just find that like i don't know that trope is just so oh it's just so tired but like Jin is complex i'm not taking that away from her right. but it's just something that i was kind of like just the way that she was characterized i was like i feel like it's like you're doing a thing like by just like sure you're having a woman in power but you're also kind of like falling to this other trope it's just yeah it's very like like i said when i said Arya stark like i sometimes i i worry that men just have a hard time writing women with agency who are comparable to them that are not just they just wrote a male character not that there's any way to be a male or a female character but you you know like they wrote a the the stereotype it's like the cool girl for them like she's not like other Mm. girls phenomenon (laughs) she fights a war Exactly, the exceptionalism. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yes, 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 yes. And then they're like, they're, you know, and it's kind of like, I, I get a little annoyed in like the modern day when people are like, you know, if a, if a, if a man had yelled at all those people, like, it would be acceptable because a woman did it. It's like not acceptable. I, I understand what you're saying, but don't yell at me. Like, <laughs> just like don't yell know, at all. Like, please. Or, and it's like, or don't do abusive like atta- tactics as an employer or whatever. And it's kind of the same mm. thing when people are like, well, now the woman's in charge of the army. Yeah, but they like, murdered a bunch of people i don't care who my oppressor is if they're oppressing me and i i think non-intersectional feminism kind of does this a lot where they're like yeah but she's like a badass and she's like running around you're like yeah but she's still like racist (laughs) and like doesn't care about people that doesn't fix nothing's like if if progress is just allowing a different faces of oppression diversifying the faces of oppression we've solved literally nothing like and especially yeah. it's Oof. it's like an erasure of history because you don't think in the past like there are women in charge of the street you don't think that there were rich like people rich women in the ancient roman empire who just decimated decimated like lower class well you don't think that happens now you know what i mean like mm. i think the idea of the gods and goddesses is exactly that point right that a higher level upper level women or men like don't have to be subject to the same everyday like uh, your oppressor can have many faces is what i'm saying right so for me i was kind of like i and i maybe that is a complexity that that Ken Lu meant to put in the story. We don't have, we can't, we have not talked to Ken. So maybe that was his point, but maybe it wasn't. So um, <laughs> if it's not, I would say, let's think about it. If it was, uh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I do think it is, intru- maybe they'll, we'll see more of this in the second book because now Jin Mazodi is the queen of Faka, you know, and, and they're gonna, and she is more talented than Kuni, you know, and so let's, right. and I think Mata was, there was like an interesting paradigm between Mata and Kuni because Mata was like, I need power and status and rank. And he was also, I think, not very old. And Kuni was more yeah. like, get diversified voices in and innovation. And you're like, if you guys could innovate in war, can't you just innovate in life? Like, <laughs> can't we just not Oof. be it? Whatever. Um, right. So that's, you saw like the differences there. And Kuni was able to win because he pulled in different voices. So the question is between Jin and Kuni, like, whose technique will win? You know, they're, mm. so, they're more similar than Mata and Kuni. Um, 
Yeah, very, very true. What about yeah. and Jen? I, sorry, no, keep him go, keep going. No, no, no. I know. I, yeah, you, we can, we can, we can move on. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say, what are the gods? Like, I feel like the gods just like showed up for reasons oh that God. were very random. Yeah. So for for context, I'm not sure if we talked about the gods that much throughout the plot summary so basically each kingdom within dara has like a god or like one or two gods that kind of like represent them i guess and mm-hmm. again there's like this whole pantheon they like literally chill and hang out and just like talk and like i don't know have beef with each other and shit and honestly kind of metal in the day-to-day right of humans like there's this whole thing where they're like we are the gods we cannot we cannot descend upon humanity because we are gods and literally like but they'll show up as like a random old lady and be like, right. oh, Bamata, you actually need to feed me 20,000 people. Like, it's just like, it's like they meddle in, or like when one went up to Mira and was like, here's a thing to use to kill Bata. Like, it's just like, y'all just show up in these like really like, they don't seem that premeditated. It seems just kind of like out of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like, they just find it all so fun. Like, I feel like I, I get this image of like, I don't know, like, it's like they're just watching a bunch of ants, like, on mm. anthills, and they just, like, are just, like, throwing in random things just to see what happens. Like, it just feels so detached, but at the same time, they're so influential, and that find I, I find them, like, I know they're supposed to be regal and, like, perfect and all that, but one, the gods, to me, I was just, I was just annoyed by them, frankly. I mean, every time there was, like, a section with the gods, I was like, can we, oh my god, can we just move forward? Because <laughs> it was just, like... It was like the self-importance I just found so annoying. And I'm like, y'all are just like doing, like, it's almost worse to just do things because you can. Right. Like looking at Mata and other people, I'm like, okay, y'all are doing things because like there's an ideal. And even despite how skewed that ideal is, like whatever you're fighting for something, y'all are just doing it because you just can. Like you said, flippantly, just like, just to see what happens, just to stir the pot and like nothing else. And like that, I just have no respect for that. I don't know. Mm. I found them so, I don't know why they, they literally like, I would just say they made me mad. Like it's not that deep. But like, I think as I talk about them and think about them more, I'm like, y'all are actually really annoying. Like, actually just like, <laughs> why were y'all part of the story? Like, I'm like, if you're not going to meddle, just don't meddle. Right. Maybe just comment on what's going on, but don't intervene and like, literally just like it's like okay you're so you're just destroying twenty thousand lives and for what like yeah like did you, why did you like, need that we... sacrifice you never talked about sacrifices before oh so exactly and are we are we subscribing to the belief that y'all are the same gods who crafted these people like right that, that is almost worse like it's like so you crafted all the like and you're just gonna like just throw them away like I, yeah i i so i have like a complex relationship yeah. with this because i was like what do the gods represent i don't have a i don't know why i have a complex relationship i don't i had lots of different <laughs> thoughts about them <laughs> what <laughs> anyway sorry um oh god you know just like sometimes you like slip into like your undergraduate like so anyway the dichotomy no, they... between the two characters really <laughs> juxtaposes anyway um <laughs> Like, like i literally be hearing myself and i'm like oh shut up stop oh my god right. this is annoying. i'm so tired <laughs> but anyway i i was like what do the gods represent because at first they they have like an elemental element to them so i was like maybe the gods represent like nature and the chaos of like what that we cannot control of these bigger forces like maybe when mm-hmm. the the soldiers went on the boat it was like a really you know crappily designed boat but they actually like were taken by a whirlpool and we just like call it the gods you know what i mean or like a storm mm. um and and then i was like so that's one way to think about it and i'm like but maybe the gods are also like um like a symbol of like our collective consciousness about things or like our Ooh. the intangible emotions so like the people have decided on something and that collective thought is almost like 
is like symbolized by a god but it's actually just like a physical representation of like our intangible collective thoughts about war mm. violence in a time period and so i was like maybe that's it because the gods don't seem because you're like what are your guys's motivations like and you're like it seems right. like their motivations are whatever the people's motivations are i, I don't know like um so i was like maybe that's what it is like a representation of like the collective consciousness which is really hard to like describe mm. physically and then i was like oh maybe they're just it's like i said earlier just to show that there's always someone with more power than you like there's always someone pulling yeah. the strings that you cannot see um for most people anyway unless you are like a yeah. bajillionaire um <laughs> i don't know so yeah I, I i couldn't land on the gods i couldn't tell if i was like you didn't write them enough or if he wrote them exactly how he wanted to <laughs> write them. I, I'm seeing a theme here. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about the whole book. And you're like, then I have to ask myself, like, am I giving him that leeway because he's a man or because he's a POC? And I'm not entirely and sure I myself. Child, I have the same. Um, I feel like it's a, it's a mixture of... Because I think I just, I want to like the book. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to, but it's like... And like in some ways I do, but in a lot of ways I don't. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like, but I think also part of me might too be like, yeah, like is there like some degree of bias here? You know, like right, it's like, a, like or like more uh, like a like a higher flexibility and uh, like giving a benefit of the doubt or like being like, oh well, maybe this was a decision or maybe that like, <sighs> yeah. And then I wonder, it's, it's, is it's, it because yeah. the storyline is one that we've been taught so often that we like we're already filling in the gaps because we've been told this yes. story before. I'm not sure. I think so. I, yeah, I think, I, I. sorry guys, I think our bias, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> our education is also like coming into the, uh, apologies, I guess, to the listener. Mm. But so, but it's still, I don't, I don't, I still think that this, there's merit to this book. <laughs> I'm trying to, think, I, yeah. but does it have like more merit than like House of the Spirits? Like, yeah, because I mean, we straight up was like, yeah, we I don't fuck with this at all. <laughs> like, we were just like, fuck um, this book. <laughs> that, yeah, that's. And is it even more well written than House of the Spirits? I don't know. I don't think so. And then I feel like I mean, mm. I wasn't like going up for the writing. No shade. Like, Fair. I mean, the writing was fine. Fair. I wasn't yeah, like, I do. Oh think... my god, it was like so well written. No, I'm yeah, not, yeah, I wasn't giving it all that. So I think House I of think... the Spirits is more poetically written. Oh, definitely. Um, I, I would agree with that for sure. And I feel like, I think you bring up a good point as far as like the story. I think like a part of me is, I think I'm skewed a little bit by p- like the public perception. Cause I'll, okay. So I'll admit with this book, unlike, I, like I usually don't do this with books, but like with this one, like I was <laughs> in part one, I was like looking up, I was like, how do other people feel about this book? Cause I'm like not enjoying this. And so like I was reading different things and people like, I, I feel like I just kind of was more plugged into what people thought about it. Mm. And so I guess a part of me was like, like it was really critically acclaimed. People were like, Oh my God, this book is so good. and won all these wars, blah, blah, blah. It's like, so it's like, I feel like because of the accolades, it's like, a part of you like or at least for me i was like okay like there's clue like i'm like is there something that people are acknowledging that i'm not or is there mm. like like maybe there's like more layers here i feel like i was like more willing to give a creative interpretation or like assume a certain intention mm. just given the public perception oh of interesting it. so i feel like that also played a role for me yeah. like a pretty big role actually i feel like if i had just read it independently and didn't know how anyone else felt about it and didn't and also didn't know that it won awards i feel like i would just been like, oh, oh like, interesting uh, I'm not really like pressed, but I think too. Um, 
I think too, <laughs> I don't think I expected some of the, like I didn't expect Cooney to be so like anti-oppressive. Like when he's over here just being like, I'm a bandit and now I'm the leader of like Zudi. And also everyone can just like, you know what I mean? Like he's, yeah. I think that kind of won me over um, in a way that I wasn't expecting because it is Same. so, I expected this. When I started reading it, I was like, oh boy, this is a war book. <laughs> I was no. like, I'm not going to like this. But then Cooney is very Naruto-esque at the beginning and it's sort of like mm. there's something charming about that very shonen manga that's yeah. and i think that's what it's like so your bar was low mm. for like a war bug but then you come with this like counter-cultural main character that's very charming um yeah it kind of pulls you into the narrative so i won't say entirely that we're just like you know like repeating like you know other people's i i don't think i i I don't know. <laughs> That's why it's a book club, people. <laughs> it's a book club, and I, and I agree. I think that like that. I, I a lot of that rings true for me because it was like I felt like looking back because okay. So looking back, I would say that there have been mm, House of the Spirits might have been the closest, but I feel like for the most part, I have not read really a book on the show and been like I hated this book and can find nothing good about it. Like the existence of this book is offensive. Right. <laughs> I've never had that <laughs> relationship with anything we've read for the most part. Right. And it's one of those things where I think that that's what kind of what what it's like that pendulum I described earlier. I feel like that's what it is for me. Like it's like it's like. The book would do like would just fuck up on all these different things, but like like you know, Cooney is characterized in a way that I'm like, okay, that's really interesting. Or like Soto's like really fascinating. So I'm right. like, okay, I'm kind of like interested in learning more. Like Risana's character, I thought was fascinating. It's just like it's like you have these like nuggets in between yes. that like kind of pull you in, or like the characters are charming, or they have these ideals that like feel aspirational and feel kind of like in line with mm. my moral compass, even if momentarily that like makes me think that like there's hope. I guess right. I don't know. And I do think. And I oh sorry. No, 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 that, that, yeah, that was pretty much Yeah, that was and I was going to say, there's probably those moments where people, those vignettes, like where people have a whole storyline mm. and then they die. That's what it is. There's like these almost short stories that can be really, really like interesting. Like Goran Pira's story is very interesting. Um, right. The other guy who died, who that with his little battle the rap battle with his little friend <laughs> his poetic battle where he wanted to be the best philosopher like that was like you know what i mean like there's these very humanizing right. stories and then this thing where they, they they die it's kind of what makes game of thrones so interesting in that same way and it it's, it really shakes you it's very narratively interesting um mm, so maybe there's that yeah. to it too yeah yeah because when you're reading House of the Spirits, this is not a comparison, by the way, but I just remember, like, you kind of knew that the main characters weren't going to die, and they really didn't die. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know. But even then, I can't even remember. I'm like, when we recorded that, like, did we say, like, oh, like, maybe the point was to showcase toxic masculinity and, like, we Esteban did. Garcia. Like, okay, I, yeah, I feel like we had the same, like, okay. So maybe, yeah, we, in I, fact, maybe we, we had this exact, more consistent, actually. We had this exact conversation where I was like, is Esteban Garcia's whole point that he, like, shows, like, the toxicity of masculinity then becomes, like, aggregated over time into, like, the nation state? Oh, we had that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so... In TLDR, we've been keeping the same energy. Okay, cool. We I, hope. Okay, I great. don't know. Like, you know what you can Maybe, do? Uh, you know, if you don't <laughs> think that that's true, <laughs> you could tell us. 
This is an outro. That's what's Not up. Transition. <laughs> you could tell us on on at the color pages on Twitter or yes. on Instagram at these color pages. Uh, you know, come to our email. Be like, y'all have not been consistent with your tone. You know, y'all have changed these color pages at gmail.com. Let us know. Or hey, check out our website, thesecolorpages.com. You know, we got stuff in there. We got a little something, something. So <laughs> we do, we do. We got, we got a little something, 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 something. Um, before I fully, fully outro, I will say so that like polyamorous relationship oh, yeah. thing moment. We should talk about that quick. Yeah. Do you have any quick thoughts about I that? Do. I do. I, like, I mean, I feel like this time we need to like maybe read a book on like polyamorous relationships. But I, I agree. I do think that like one, I think people overestimate that people think that polyamorous relationships are older than they are. Like that they were a thing of the past. Mm. That like I, that's true in America. But if you go back two generations for like Africans, Middle Eastern, a lot of people like polyamory is very close to the present. And for some people is the yeah. present. So I think... I think there's a new, a new polyamorous trend. I don't know if "new" is the right word, but you know, like the eth- ethical mo- non-monogamy, mm. and is a very new American phenomenon that's being discussed. But I, I think there's two. There's like the traditional polyamory and the new age, and all of them. And then there's monogamy. So like, right? Like people see like polyamory as escape from like the shackles of monogamy um Mm -hmm. but i think people forget that polyamory in the past and even presently wasn't necessarily it didn't come it's not without its problems so i don't think it's a solution to things and if you look at things historically like you know family members who are sidelined and especially under like a you know a toxic patriarchal family like right like oh this family is the second you know what i mean there were problems that caused quite a bit of issues uh, <laughs> not small issues and to the point that you you could say that someone in the past might be like you know monogamy would be the revolutionary concept in the same mm. way that people think of polyamory as a revolutionary concept now and i think this book kind of because in i do think in older asian traditional cultures there were like second wives and second families and rankings mm. i think that's true for a lot of history so i don't know i don't i think the the diversity of relationships is probably the best answer, but I think the agency is probably the solution. <laughs> but then I also wonder because, Mercy, in our lives, how much agency do we really have? You know what I mean? Like, I want to say agency oh is the answer. That's what I'm saying. That's why I think we just need to close this topic for another book because I, That's, I have yeah. a lot of thoughts. I don't, by the way, I don't have a problem with polyamory. <laughs> like, I feel like just to say that. <laughs> I don't think you were, you were giving those advice. I just yeah. think everything <laughs> is more complex than we think it is. <laughs> I think that is a wonderful, and I will say just to add, um, yeah, the in the context of how it happened with like both of them already stepping outside of the relationship and like mm. you know reconciling and all of that, like poly, like a like an open relationship as a response to just like cracks in the base relationship. I feel like maybe is a not kind of not 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 an ideal foundation to sort of explore this sort of new potential of a relationship also, but like i said we can talk like, about that they're all kind of traumatized because they're at anyway a, yeah they're like at war yeah. i'm like can you really like is anyone consenting in war uh, anyway who? so yeah so if y'all have any thoughts on um <laughs> the episode and want to share it with your friends <laughs> definitely do that wherever you're listening to this podcast if you'd like to show y'all are like this these rough these jarring <laughs> transitions <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, but yes. But if y'all would like to, you know, comment, rate, you know, leave, like leave us some thoughts. We definitely appreciate it wherever you're listening yes. to this podcast. You know, share it with any friends if you brought you if you know this show brought you any love, light, delight, something to think about, anything of that nature. I will say. So mm. I am trying to, you know, we're, we are trying to move away from the Apple industrial complex, mm. but, but, and they're like, not just saying, but, but, but <laughs> we have exactly at this moment of recording 29 ratings and reviews. And, you know, I just like, I love me an even number. Ooh. I love me a divisible by <laughs> by 15 moment. Like I love that, you know, prime numbers. I'm like, mm. so like if someone, you know, yeah. it could be you if you like. Push us up not. to 30. But I mean, if you if it could be you, you know, I mean, if you want to just, just push it to 30, I mean, 30 just looks, 30 just is just, uh, that's like a, mm-hmm. it's like a cute little number or whatever. So definitely would appreciate, you know, a little push there, by the way. I love but, it. Um, yes. And lastly, so the book that we're going to be reading next time is called, it's going to be my pick, and it's called The Widows of Malabar Hill by Sujata Massey. And it's basically like a... Kind of like a mystery set in like Ooh. 1920s, like Bombay, India. Ooh, so, we're fun. We're just, yeah. we're, we just read whatever. Sorry, I'm excited. Yeah, it's, it's going to be cute. I'm like, I'm very, very excited. Yeah. So, yeah, so we'll be talking about that next time. But before then, Akko, do you want, do, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with before we head out? Yeah, I just want to say until we see you next time, just remember to stay, stay colorful. colorful.